Hey, welcome back to Film Streak. My name is Robert, and this is a podcast where I go into uh, basically a new movie every day. It's like a whole new adventure, whole new characters, whole new worlds, just something new. And so far, we're up to number 23. Number 23 is Phantom Thread, written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. And this is a movie that came out in 2017, and I think uh, it was one that I, for me personally, I just felt like it was such a big departure style-wise in terms of the premise and the characters from anything that Paul Thomas Anderson has done before, uh, or, or, or at least early on. You know, some of his later movies started to become more of this style, like hinged around one character and maybe a lot more mature in its approach um, and much slower pace and took its time to tell a story. But this was probably the uh, the ultimate, like the this was the peak of him going down this road. And, you know, I'm certainly a big film, uh, a big fan of films like Boogie Nights and Heart Eight and... Uh, even Magnolia and, and some Punch Drug Love, those earlier, that earlier phase of his career. And it's been interesting to watch him and the types of stories he wants to tell evolve over time, you know, to, to watch him kind of change and grow as an artist, even and uh, what he wants to say and how he wants to say it. And so films like The Master and Inherent Vice, um, I thought those were just so much different. And There Will Be Blood which I mean, is one of my favorite films, but compare that to his first film, it, they're worlds apart. And so this, you know, Phantom Thread is kind of equally just as removed or, or just as evolved as those are. You know, I, I just had reservations about what this story was and who these characters were and if I was even going to relate to it or, or care about it. And, uh, and watching the film, actually finally taking the time to sit down and watch it and, and understand and absorb it. Um, it, it was a lot deeper and a lot more meaningful than I, I was, I guess, expecting. So, you know, the, the premise of the film is essentially that uh, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis, he plays a character named Reynolds uh, Woodcock. That is uh, a fashion designer in, uh, I think it's like 1950s London. Um, so, or, or forties or fifties, that era. And so watching these characters move through this world and watching the world itself. So there's so much, that's, that's the interesting thing about this is the production value, the costumes or the wardrobe, um, the, the locations, they're so specific and particular to this story and these characters that, uh, it, it, just watching it just from the opening scenes, it, it does feel like you're watching, you're, you're in good hands. You're watching like a master at work. You, you know that wherever this story goes, wherever these characters go, you're going to find something there. Some, there's going to be some reward in it for you as a viewer. And yet, you know, at the same time, so look, this is about a, a man. He's a fashion designer. He's very, he's got a very particular lifestyle, very particular and specific sensibilities and needs in a way um he likes things to be just so and it's almost like a uh, kind of an obsessive level of of care and consideration for 
you know, the, the way he eats his food and the way he dresses and the way uh, he moves through the world and the way he talks to people and his mannerisms and all these things are so very precise and manicured. Um, you know, at one point, it almost feels like this guy's just kind of being uh, a, a bit of like a, a prima donna or just, um, you know, he's being so um, particular just for the sake of it. But as you start to know more about him and what he does, and, and here's, the, here's what I thought was the cool part. Here's what I really wasn't expecting to get out of this, but this character of Reynolds he he operates and he works at such a high creative level that anything that disturbs that or or threatens that uh it 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 throws him off and it really it really changes the way he feels about his work and the way he feels about himself and those around him and you know that's where i can relate to it in a weird way and so look i I really, for a moment, I really thought, I don't like this guy. I thought he's just kind of being a big wuss um, about he's got to have his bread buttered in a certain way. But, you know, it's when his character meets uh, the character of Alma, played by Vicky Crepes, um, who I'd never, I don't think I'd ever seen in a film before. And maybe she's been in some things, but this was kind of, you know, she's going toe to toe with Daniel Day-Lewis. So like, this was really impressive. But, you know, her character of Alma really challenges him and pushes him and and in a way is like the uh, the counter to a lot of him uh, or the way that he operates. You know, Reynolds is very specific, very particular, and Alma is very kind of uh, free flowing and and spontaneous in some ways, or at least wants to be that. And so the the fact that they kind of go back and forth on this dynamic, uh, I mean, I I can relate to that. I understand that as, as someone who's in a creative field and has to sometimes work and interact with people that are on different wavelengths and maybe see things differently than you. And it can be challenging, but it can also, there can be real reward there. And finding your way through that dynamic, maneuvering with others and their personalities and their sensibilities. That's an interesting thing to me. That's always something that I, I, I see it as a challenge and I see it as a, as a good thing to have just in life in general. And so watching this character find his way through that and ultimately come to the point where he's, he falls in love with her and really wants her in his life all the time and yet keeps her at a distance in some moments and when she pushes against that of well i don't know how much i want to say or give away if you haven't seen the film but she takes some measures that uh require him to be around her and require him to need her and that's where you know hey look that's where the story gets really kind of it takes like a darker turn and um i feel like it wouldn't be paul thomas anderson without taking a darker turn somewhere down the road. But this really, it, it drives it home in such an interesting way because it's not something I necessarily saw coming. And yet these kinds of characters with, with the way that they move through life, you almost feel like they would have to resort to something like this, this kind of arrangement or situation that uh, is the only way they're going to 
coexist together. So, you know, the, the, the dynamic of him, even in, in his own way, like when he's at work, there's a scene where he's in a, he's basically hosting a fashion show and it's all his work. So he's behind the scenes, making sure everybody's ready and going out, uh, walking and then coming back and changing. And, and, and he's very kind of fussy about it. Uh, very particular, very hands-on, very like, I'll do it. You know, I'll, I'll take care of it. And I'll, you know, right in the mix. And when something like that doesn't work or it doesn't go well, or, um, it's not well received, let's say, you know, you see the flip side of that, which is him kind of almost becoming childlike again. And, um, you know, almost reverting to like a tender state, um, who needs, the support needs the um, the uh, needs the backing of some you know needs that strength uh, from from people around him and Alma's there to do that and to be that for him and yet you know she needs her side of the relationship fulfilled too and so that's uh, that's a lot you know that's a lot that I could relate to I guess on a personal level but on even just on a on a um, like a philosophical level of, uh, you know, creative folks, uh, people who are in, in creative industries, there's a lot that they put on the line that I think if you're not in that field, you don't necessarily see that, right? You don't necessarily see the emotional, uh, toll that that can take on someone. If, if they do something and they put their heart into it and just doesn't work or it's not well received or in, in some ways considered like a failure, maybe, Um, and so the need for that emotional support, like behind the scenes or in your private life, that's a real thing. Uh, I I can relate to that. And so that's where I was really surprised by the film. It's really well acted. It's, it's all well produced. It's, it looks immaculate. Uh, you know, all the, the camera work, the, the music, everything is just like top of the line. And so in that regard, I mean, it's it's very particular if you look at it from the outside, from from not having seen the film, and maybe you just see like a trailer or some of the the marketing for it. It's not really clear what kind of film this is to me. I just had no real sense of what I'm getting into, and so you almost have to just turn it on, let it start going, and just go wherever it goes, and you you'll find, I think there's something in there that you'll really enjoy. Um, and all that, you know, being said, it does get um, it does get a little uh, unsettling uh, as the story goes. And so you'll you'll learn all about mushrooms and soup and all kinds of cool things. But uh, I I would say check this out if you're a Paul Thomas Anderson fan, if you love his other movies, this is still very different from those. But um, I think it's nice to see his progression as an artist and and resulting in something like this. All right, so look, so here, let's get to number 24. Number 24 is I Care A Lot. And that is by writer and director Jay Blakeson. And this is a film that I really only had an interest in because of the leads in it. I didn't really know much about the story. Um, it kept popping up on Netflix as a, a you know kind of a new new feature. Uh, maybe about a year or maybe two years ago now when it, when it came out, came out in 2020 and it's a Netflix original. Um, 
And I really like Rosamund Pike. I like the films that she's been in. Um, she's gone on to, I guess, since then, star in some more things and, and um, become quite a, a, a known entity as, a, as an actor and everything. Um, I also like Isaac Gonzalez. I mean, she's been in some, you know, other bigger, I guess, bigger budget things, um, Fast and Furious and, and those kinds of things. But um, I, I like the kind of different edge that she brings to a story, even something like Baby Driver. Um, and of course, you know, Peter Dinklage is in this. And if you haven't seen the film, you might wonder who he plays in this, because that's, that's a very kind of particular character he plays. Uh, that's not not introduced until well into the story, but um, his character is really, uh, let's say, fun. Um, and so, look, I'll just say this. This film, I thought, was a kind of a thriller, but it, it it almost is more of a comedy, more like a dark comedy and, and even a satire in a way. And it's taking on this notion of um, you know, her character is someone who is basically just bilking all of these elderly people out of their money by uh, kind of, you know, working the system to get them, um, get them admitted into like a, a home, or not a home care, but like a elderly care facility so that they're kind of trapped in there now. And while they're in there, she can then work the system to get control of their property and their funds and basically take them for everything they're worth. And the, the story kind of starts with her coming off of one of these uh, cases or one of these, um, one of these people that she's taken advantage of and, uh, moves into her looking for the next mark and like trying to find like who's available and who's, who's kind of gullible enough to fall for this thing, uh, the scheme that she has set up. And and it's funny cause it's not just like, Oh, she's kind of doing this like on the side. I'm like, she set this up as a business. It's like legit. And so to think that, you know, this, <laughs> this is a thing that could be possible is like a, a real operation to basically take advantage of people and steal all their money. I, I feel like that's that's where I guess the satire com- comes in. It's just uh, it's really kind of on the nose commentary about corporations and um, you know big business and how it's all designed to take you for everything you have. So that's one way of looking at it. But um, the fact that she then looks at her next mark and you kind of see the whole process from the start, like how they kind of get someone involved, how they get them to kind of relinquish rights to things and how they end up basically in a facility and then how they start turning everything. They, they auction off property, they flip the house, you know, they, they, they instantly turn it into money that, you know, they can then keep moving on to the next person. But when they pick the next mark, it's the wrong person. It's the wrong person to mess with. And, Turns out the the old lady that they they look at and they take advantage of uh, is played by Dan Weist and who I always think is fun to watch, just amusing, but also in this film has like a real kind of sinister. Uh, uh, I don't know. There's just something different there. It's like a different kind of dark energy that I'd never seen from her before in a film. So watching this was kind of fun, and when they discover this lady is not who she said or, or records show that she is, 
And Peter Dinklage comes into the picture and he's kind of a mysterious figure and nobody's really sure who's, who's up to what. And these two ladies, these two, you know, people that are trying to, you know, run these scams, they end up kind of falling into a, a, a trap of, uh, I guess like, you know, Russian mobsters and, and this kind of thing. And I don't know. I, I thought it was fun and it was amusing in a way. And it was certainly, you know, it had some pointed kind of commentary about things and, and the world in general. But, um, you know, you may feel differently or not. But um, I, I would say this. Look, if you just want to see these characters have some fun and a little bit of a thriller plot that goes down, um, I would say give it a shot. Um, you might see it pop up on Netflix uh, and your like recommendations or, or, or so on. But if not, um, you'd probably be okay passing on it. Um, I, like I said, I like the leads in it. I think they're fun to watch and they at least give you some different dynamic than I think we've probably seen in a film like this before, which is cool. Um, and so give it a chance if you happen to spot it. And that is, I care a lot. Now we're going to move on to this one. This is number 25. Number 25 is passing and it's written directed by otherwise known as actor rebecca hall who you know i learned a little bit about this because i wondered well how did this come from rebecca hall and what's her kind of what's her uh relation to this kind of a story um how is this relevant to her as a as a, as a writer and director um, she's not in it she doesn't star in the film um but I learned there's, there's some interesting backstory there in terms of her background. And, you know, this story is about, uh, well, okay, let me start. This story stars Tessa Thompson and Ruth Nega. And it's about um, women, uh, you know, in the past, in, in a different time in history. And I think it's like in the 30s or so. And, you know, look, the, the idea is that they're operating in a world where some women or or i guess some people but in this case these two women have decided or found ways to operate on different sides of the racial divide and one is has found a way to pass as white in a world where you know these these worlds are still very divided um or in a time where these worlds are divided so when uh, Irene and Claire, that's their names, when they kind of meet each other just by chance uh, one day and they hadn't seen each other in years and they realize they've gone down very different paths in life, but clearly they've known each other in the past. And so to kind of know, to meet someone who's at a different point or a different stature, who's found a different lot in life than you have, but you've kind of come from the same place or the same background um, uh, you know, I, th I think that happens with all of us. We all kind of either run into people down the road, uh, that we hadn't seen in a long time. And maybe we went to school with them or we grew up, you know, in the same neighborhood with them. And we realize, oh, we've really gone down different roads. We're, we're very, uh, we've become very separated by time and by distance or whatever. And so in this case, it's, um, not only those kind of separations that have happened, but also just, a they're separated by culture and by identity. And that was a really interesting look at two women who 
on, a, on any other level would relate to each other and know each other, but because this is how they've, this is how their lives have departed, they've had to, um, they've had to try and find a way to reconcile that and be okay with that, with themselves and with the world that they found themselves in. And so, you know, you see that struggle, you see that, um, that, that almost that pain that they have to kind of live with. And, you know, that's something to say about this film and especially these two actors that they are able to convey so much of this without words. When you see like the look of it, I mean, it's all beautifully photographed, like the lighting and composition. It's just like amazing. And even the the locations, the wardrobe, all that stuff, it's like it puts you in that time and puts you in that space, you know, of, of where these people are and, and who they are. You can just watch them and not mind anything around them, but just watch them and watch their eyes and watch the things that that are basically being uh, the things that are being said, but without words. Uh, there's so much that these characters have underneath the surface, or that's the performances that are being given, and it's intriguing because you know that there's a lot that these characters are feeling, but they're not saying it. And it's only because of the context, like you know the world around them and how this has to be hard, it has to be difficult, it has to be even confusing. And they've they've made their own lives in it uh, in different ways. So one has, you know, one has found a way to, you know, exist in, in a white world and has a, a white husband and the other has... I guess stayed in in Harlem and has a, a, a husband and two kids and a very different lifestyle. You know, they they found words that they're comfortable with and whatever compromises or whatever uh, adjustments they've had to make, they seem to be okay with. But neither one is really truly the best, like the the optimal way to live a life. One has kind of uh, isolated herself to. The world, the the world she feels safest in and co- most comfortable in, and the other has taken to a world that she feels might give her the most status or the most advantage or opportunity, but has also lost some of her identity and and her background in the process. And so, when those two have to kind of have that conversation of what, where are we, and what do we mean to each other? Like there's just so much there that's just under the surface. And I, I really thought that was well done. And, you know, the whole way that they work through this dilemma of, how, you know, how do they still remain friends or become friends again, but seeing each other through new, you know, new eyes in a way. So I, I just think, um, I think it was really smartly done. You know, it, it's a thing to say, well, this film was well produced or it looks good or, you know, the actors are good in it. But there's something smart about this because it's telling a lot about where some aspects of culture and certainly um, racial inequality and those things where that has come even today, like even in present day. But it's doing it by telling a story that, has, you know, has been around for decades um, and it's so many people's experience that I, that's the other thing. I think this kind of story and certainly on film, I'd never seen before. I've heard about it. And I think most of us 
you know, most of us might be aware that this happens or or could happen. This is certainly this doesn't seem out of the realm of possibility that people have you know lived their lives this way. Um, but to see it on film, uh, I just I had never seen this before, and maybe that's me. But you know, that's part of this whole exercise is we're watching new stuff. So I really like this. I really like going down this road and understanding more about these characters and this kind of dilemma that they face in life. And that this is a reality for people. This is a reality for the writer and director, Rebecca Hall, as part of her story. And so I, I thought that was really, it was really great to see that on film. And I, I hope this one gets more, more eyes on it, more attention, because it's an important story to tell. I mean, not just now, but at any time in history and, and even across all kinds of cultural divides. Um, so I, I would certainly recommend this. Yeah, this is one that I think if you watch it from like a historical level, I think you'll get something out of it. You watch it from a, uh, a filmmaking level. There's a lot there. It just It's a beautiful film. It's black and white, but it's black and white done by today's sensibilities and with a high level of of craft and care. Um, if you watch from an acting level, there's so much there. There's, there's so much great performances there. Um, you really feel these characters and, um, you know, even down to the dialogue and the, and the writing, it just feels of the time. You know, it's not one of those that where you feel like it's people writing it as people would talk today or even think today. It's really in that, in that moment. So I would recommend this for sure. And it's not one of those that's, it's not a, a, um, it, it's not necessarily a good time. You know, there's a lot of hard things that are, are discussed and presented. Um, you know, Alexander Skarsgård is really kind of an asshole in this movie and makes no bones about it. And so when you see that, you know, it's a little bit tough to, to stomach, but you understand that that's the world that they're in. And that's the, that's the world that this story is presenting as this is the challenge. This is what we're faced with. And how we, how do we make our way through this challenge? So I would, I would recommend it. I'd say, give it a shot. That's passing. Now, number 26, this is one I've had on my list for a long time. And I finally got around to watching it. And I'll tell you, this was not an easy watch. And for a, a multitude of reasons, but, um, Let's just get into it. This is House of Sand and Fog. And this was, uh, by, let's see, this was from 2003. And this stars Jennifer Connelly and Ben Kingsley and, um, oh, let me think, was it Ron Eldard, who is uh, kind of a uh, little bit of a nuisance in the film. Um, I'll just say this. Look, I'd heard about this film when it came out. I mean... You say Jennifer Connelly, I'm there. You say Ben Kingsley, I'm there. If you tell me what this story is about, I'm not sure if I'm there. And so I'll just give you the basic premise. I'll give you the setup, and you can decide, and you watch it on your own if you like. Um, Jennifer Connelly is a a young woman who's um, kind of having a hard time. She's been through some recent... Um, I guess, trauma, family issues. You're not really sure what that is at the beginning. Um, you do learn that, you know, her her father's, I guess, passed away. Um, she's living in a house that has kind of just been 
left to rot in a way. Um, she's not taking care of it. She's got uh, drinking problems. She's got she's got a lot of issues. She's working through grief, I'm sure, and and all of these kinds of things. And she ends up getting evicted from this house. And apparently, it's because oh, some some taxes weren't paid on the property or or something like this. And so the county or the state comes to reclaim it, uh, kicks her out. And they automatically, you know, they just kind of turn around and sell the house then to a different family who just happens to be at the same time looking for a house. And that is Ben Kingsley, who plays an Iranian colonel, which I don't know. Are we okay with that? Is that okay? Like Ben Kingsley, look, I know Ben Kingsley is English, but also of Indian descent. Um, You know, he famously played Gandhi in you know in the 80s and for you know a really great film um but I don't know would that happen today would he be cast as an Iranian colonel um I mean I think from from my eyes he 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 works the part he sells the part but I feel like casting like that won't happen today but um the, the the premise is that so uh, Jennifer Connelly is Kathy. She gets kicked out of this house. Ben Kingsley he plays um, uh, his, his Colonel Barani, and he gets he moves his family into this house, and he kind of takes over the house quickly and starts doing construction on it. Starts making changes to the house. Kathy is not pleased with that. She wants her house back, and in the the fight, the kind of legal. Um, bureaucratic fight that happens she ends up meeting this cop who you know i'm not even sure is a cop but he gets in the mix he decides he wants to help her get this house back and it just kind of jumps all in everybody's kool-aid here and i really feel like this is the problem with this film like if this character is not in this film Things happen all differently. And, you know, I mean, maybe that's the point, though. Maybe that's because the film wouldn't happen the way it happens. The story wouldn't unfold the way it does if this character's not in it. But if you know what happens in this film to all these characters, you really wish this guy wasn't in the mix. And so I'll just say that at some point in, in, in the film, it goes off the rails. It goes fucking bonkers. And I'll just say this, look, I get the, the melodrama of it and the the moral dilemma of losing your home and losing your family and all of these things that come with that and the struggle of that. It's powerful. It's dramatic. It's, it's a great, you know, engine to drive a plot like this and to motivate these characters. But where this film goes... For and for all the great performances in it, like everybody's great, but it's just the way this, the way these characters interact and the the plot that's constructed. I I I couldn't go with it. I really had a hard time with it. Um, and I can see why people might think it's powerful, but to me, it feels a little bit. It feels a little bit cheap. Because instead of really taking, because up until a certain point, this film really plays like it might feel like in real life, in a real 
situation with real adults and real lives and, and homes and practical needs on the line. But at some point, this takes a turn and it becomes just histrionics and so over-the-top theatrical that I wondered, I wondered what happened. Like, I almost wondered, like, wait, did somebody take over the film? Like, the filmmaker did, did something, did different writers jump in here at some point? Like, and this is my take on it, though. You know, maybe I need to sit with it. Maybe I need to really understand more about it. And if so, okay, that's fine. But on the first watch, without really much context, um, it has a lot of great meanings. Uh, it has a lot of great intentions, I should say. But, man, there's a moment in this movie where Ben Kingsley is swinging so hard. So hard. He's going for it. He's he's gone. Where he almost becomes incomprehensible. And, you know, I guess it's to drive home the intensity of the moment. But, wow. Ben. Benny. What are you doing? I'll just say this. For, for my money, Jennifer Connelly certainly does a good uh, a good job in this. She's really selling, you know, that's maybe even a thing too, though, right? Like someone like Jennifer Connelly, who is like stunningly, traditionally beautiful, doesn't play characters that rely on that. I mean, I can think of maybe a couple, but of all the films that she's been in and the the roles that she's taken, she's, she she really knows like to pick and to work on characters that are their their looks are something different than what's inside. Like a lot of times they're flawed, they're broken, they're damaged, um, and they're struggling. Which, you know, I don't know. I, I have to think that that's like a conscious choice that you, you don't want to rely on how you look or how your appearance is when you probably have more to offer. And so I like that. I like that take on it. You know, I, I like that someone makes those choices that way. And even Ben Kingsley, he does a great job up until a point. And, and even Conley gets the fireworks going and it becomes a whole different movie. And I just, uh, I had to start backing away from it. And by the end of it, look, I, if you've never seen this movie, by the end of it, you're going to wonder what the hell was everybody smoking? But I'll tell you this much, it does have a great like foundation and a great premise, but be ready for high drama and maybe not sure how you feel about some of the decisions the characters make and some of the ways, the ways that things turn out for them. Just be ready to be kind of conflicted about that morally and philosophically. All that said, um, I would say your mileage may vary with House of Sand and Fog. Uh, what are we looking at? This is number 27 now. This is Ingrid Goes West by director Matt Spicer. Uh, it's from 2017. So it's pretty recent. And, you know, it's funny because this is another every week so far, every week on Film Streak here, I've had a film from 2017. 
And it's not necessarily by, uh, by any particular reason. It's just that's how they've been turning out. These are things that have just kind of been coming up as like, oh, here's a good, here's a good thing to watch. It seems like it might be a good thing to watch. And so far, I've had something from 2017 in every episode so far. And I don't know if that's pointed to anything yet. Maybe 2017 was secretly like a good year for film, and maybe nobody really noticed until later. <laughs> but I'll say this. Um, this is a film that feels like it's right now, like it's taking place right now, and yet this is from five years ago. Aubrey Plaza plays Ingrid, who is... Uh, you know, for, for reasons that aren't clear at the beginning, she's um, just in an in a emotionally bad place. And she's hanging on to people that she finds on, on social media, Instagram in particular. But uh, she does start to become fascinated with um, uh, a character by uh, or played by Elizabeth Olsen, a character named Taylor, who is kind of, I almost say, you know, like an, like what we would call today, like an influencer, right? Um, who's living the life, Southern California, going to trendy spots and doing cool stuff and hanging out and dressing nice and all these kinds of things. And uh, Ingrid is someone who is fascinated by that, but also wants to be a part of that or wants that for herself. And so, you know, it kind of becomes, it goes into that like Instagram stalker territory where she tracks her down. She finds a way to kind of, she finds an angle into her life, into Taylor's life and um, becomes part of her circle. And you know, it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit scary because it's, uh, you know, this is how someone can, kind of edge their way into your life. And maybe you don't even realize that like, this is actually intentional. It's not happenstance. It's not coincidence. It's not just chance. Like Someone can actually manufacture their way into being a friend of yours. And, and yet, at the same time, I think for most people, that's not how it would really work. But for someone like Taylor, who is in her own way, kind of fascinated with this lifestyle that she's created for herself. She's open to this kind of thing. She's almost like vulnerable in a way she doesn't realize to people infiltrating her life and people who might not have the right intentions. And so, you know, it, it really rides this line of Ingrid being, a good person who's just looking for someone, looking for a friend, looking for companionship, looking for a place in society? Or is Ingrid a bad person who is manipulating and uh, manufacturing these scenarios and these um, incidents that just, just to kind of further her own status? Is she some kind of sociopath? And so, look, there's... There's a little bit of both there. I mean, it really does ride that line. Like, you're just not really sure what she's up to. But, you know, I, I think the, the main premise of this, the main idea of this is that there are people out there that uh, that have a hard time with being alone or maybe they've been, they found themselves alone and they're tired of it and they're tired of pretending that they're not alone. 
or they're having trouble in their life. And, you know, so much of what you see on social media is that's all it is. It's all bullshit. People, oh, I'm going to these cool places. I'm doing these cool things and I'm wearing these cool clothes or whatever. But just pay attention because that's not what everybody's living, right? We know that. And so this film, I think at least it gives you both sides of that, is that you can see through all that nonsense. And at the same time, you can see like, there might be something to that because at least you've got something. You know, uh, there's a line in this movie that I, I, I really think is relevant and meaningful, and yet you could read it both ways. And that's, you know, at, Ingr- uh, at one point Ingrid says, like, if you don't have anyone to share this with, I mean, what's the point of living? And that's very true, I think. I think it's very true. And yet, you know, the way the context of it in this story, it's a little bit twisted because it's like, is she, does she mean I want to share this with my, my followers, whatever, my audience, my viewers, or do I want to share it with someone special, someone close to me? You know, and I think that's where the distinction is. And that's where it can either be healthy for you as part of a, of a, of a good life to live, or it can be unhealthy uh, in terms of, just something that's a fantasy. So uh, in the, in those terms, look, I would say give this a shot. It's, I think it's only on Hulu. It might, you might be able to find it other places, but it, it has some really relevant commentary in terms of where things are, especially with social media these days and how people have become so like deluded by what they see and what they believe Versus what's really in front of them and what's really of value. So that's Ingrid Goes West. That's from 2017. Check it out. This film, Promising Young Woman from 2020, is one of those films that as soon as I heard the premise of it and as soon as I saw like the trailer for it, I'm like, this is it. This is it. I mean, there's so much in this film that I think uh, I really... I had been wanting to see in a film. So this is written by, or written and directed by Emerald Fennell. Uh, And I think, uh, I saw it on HBO Max. You might be able to catch it some other places also. Uh, Stars Carrie Mulligan. Um, Bo Burnham, which I I think I'd maybe seen in one or two things. He strikes me as a really smart and, and interesting talent. And so... I was already in. I'm in on this film. Uh, let's let's see. Go for it. So, you know, this character of Cassie that she plays is someone who is, you're introduced to her as she's kind of luring men back to, you know, their apartment or to somewhere private with the idea that she's drunk. She's kind of under the influence. She's, she's passed out. She's whatever. She's She's basically ready to be taken advantage of. And she lures these men into these situations and then like wakes them up. And I'll say this, the, the movie really plays with a lot of these kind of notions of whether it's, uh, you know, there's a, there's a scene where there's like cat calling and, and how a woman, you know, has to confront that. Um, there's, you know, incidents of near or attempted like date rape. Um, 
it's a lot of really touchy, really sensitive material and, and ideas that are in this film. And yet, uh, the character of Cassie has such determination and strength to face these things and even have a plan, you know, even have like an actual list of people that she's looking for and targeting. And you're not even sure why at the beginning, but when you start to see, she explains like why she's going after these people in particular and in this order and how she goes about it. So methodical, so planned. Um, I, I, I really liked it. I, I just really liked the execution of it. I liked Carrie Mulligan's performance. I thought she really carries the idea. And I, you know, I remember like when the film came out, there was some, I don't know, some idiot wrote like a think piece or some comment in an article or whatever about, you know, is she really the right actress to be playing this that, you know, does she look appropriately hot enough or whatever? And I just said, hey, guy, you're missing the point. This is an actor who's taking this role, not because she's got to look a certain way, but because she's got to get these emotions across. She's got to show us this character who's not relying on her looks. She's relying on the stupidity of men. And look, some of y'all stupid out there, you know it. I always, you know, tried to not ever be this kind of guy that's in this movie that she's like uh, uh, taking advantage of or, or luring into these situations. And yet we all know guys like this. And so it's not unrealistic. And so I, I, I really have a, a lot of, uh, I don't know, I, just, I have a lot of praise for how this movie works and how, how it's kind of come off you know I, and I, look I also say this this movie already deals with a lot of sensitive topics and scenarios for women for men and women in, in general um, and for things that kind of plague society like big big serious stuff but this film out of all the films that we've done so far in Film Streak and all the hundreds or thousands of films I've seen before doing Film Streak, this film has one of the hardest to watch single shots I've ever seen on film. That's a lot to say. And you'll know it when you see it. It's one take and it's unbroken and it starts wide and it gets in closer and closer and the because of the context and because of the situation, it is incredibly hard to sit through. And it's maybe a minute long. I, I didn't time it. But yeah, really tough to watch. But also worth the reward as the film ends and you get the payoff of what this character has done, what she has constructed here. And then you see it all, all, all unfold and everybody gets it. You know, you think, well, she's out for this person and that person to write a, an injustice that happened in the past. And you're not really sure, like, is she going to be successful? Is this all going to go according to this kind of intricate plan that she's figured out? But when you see, uh, you, hey, look, she got them all. She took them all down. Goodbye. 
When you see that happen, man, that's amazing. That's really, I thought it was really well done. I, I'm, I'm a fan of this one. This one's going up on, you know, into the ranks. Um, and maybe I'll look at it in a different light at, down the road, but right now at the moment, it's just, it's great. So I would say definitely recommend that. Check that out HBO Max or wherever you can find it. Um, you can stream it somewhere or rent it or you know, on disc or something like that. Hell, go just go buy it. Why not? That's Promising Young Woman. That's from 2020. Now, last one here for this week, for this episode. I want to talk about this film because I, I saw this pop up a while back. And uh, it's on Netflix. It's uh, also from writer-director. Um, it's a French film. Uh, Julia Ducourneau, maybe not French, so I don't know, not sure, but let's just call it that. The film is called Raw. And now this was a film that, uh, I, I think I honestly thought was a straight up horror film. You know, some, of, I guess the marketing of it and some of the imagery that that's kind of promoted with it. I really thought this was a straight horror film, like maybe even like had monsters in it or something. I don't know. But uh, it's not that. Surprisingly, and maybe refreshingly, it's not that. But it is about, uh, it is a story about a young girl who uh, is going to uh, like freshman year of veterinary college. So she's going there to learn how to work with animals and um, treat animals and that kind of thing. So there's like cows, horses, dogs, all this stuff there. But, you know, part of the freshman experience is the initiation and the uh like rush week experience of um you know paying some dues and and taking a lot of hassle from upperclassmen and, and all that stuff she's not forced but it's highly encouraged that she eat a rabbit kidney mm, i don't know I, I don't get it i don't i didn't go to veterinary school so i don't know but, you know, the next day or in the days that follow, she breaks out in these rashes. She starts having these different kind of, uh, you know, sensations and, and feelings and urges. And, and, you know, you start to think, oh, I got it. Something in the, in the meat, in the food. Like, because it's kind of tipped like, oh, maybe she's allergic. You think, okay, well, this is going to become like a virus thing or something. It's going to become like a an outbreak or, or some kind of weird, I don't know, uh, situation where she like infects everybody. It's not that. What it is instead is this girl. I, I mean, I, I took it as it's kind of a metaphor for uh, the experience of you know, going through that anxiety of, of, finding your way into whether it's college life or adult life, you know, of, of fitting in, of making the cut of, um, you know, new experiences and meeting new people and becoming your own person. I, I kind of took it as that as a little bit of a metaphor for that, like just that kind of personal growth that can, you know, for everybody, I'm sure it happens in different ways and at different moments in, in their life. But sometimes it can all go wrong. It can go sideways. It can, you know, you can, you can make good choices or bad choices and everything in between. And in some ways you can, 
you can hurt people. You can hurt other people. You can hurt yourself. And so I, when I saw that kind of thematically becoming a part of it, I was like, oh, I got it. All right. So it's not about a virus. It's nothing to do with it. What it is about, though, uh, man, I don't know if I should say. Um, how can I put this? At some point in the film, she just has all of a sudden an incredible urge, an incredible taste for flesh. Doesn't matter who or where it comes from. And uh, so, look, I just talked about a film that had one of the really like hardest scenes or shots, one of the most disturbing moments that I've probably ever seen. This has a, a, a scene that is really up there, also, where. Uh, I could explain it. I could just tell you what happens and you'd be like, what are you talking about? But so I'll tell you, I'm not going to tell you how or why it relates to anything, but this girl, her sister also goes to this school. There's a point in the film where she's kind of spending the night with her sister and they're, um, look, I'll just get to it. She cuts her sister's finger off by accident, by accident, totally by accident. It was not meant to happen. Okay. But when she finds the finger on the floor, she calls, uh, like, I don't know, emergency assistance or whatever, a nurse, I don't, 911, whatever they have in France, and asks, what do I do? You know, uh, she's panicking. She's a little, you know, upset. Instead of doing anything that's the right thing, she eats the finger. <laughs> what? Her sister wakes up because she passed out because she cut her finger off. She wakes up and sees her younger sister eating her finger. <laughs> what? I literally had to pause it. I had to stop and say, what are these French people doing out here? But I'll tell you this. There's enough in this film, if you're looking at it from like the aspect of a horror film or, or uh, you know, something that really kind of hits like an extreme level with the, uh, I would say the violence, but the gore, this has got its moments for sure. And if you're looking for something that's more about like a, a comment on, you know, college life or growing up um, as a young woman, it's certainly got you know, themes in there that, that relate to that. But man, the way, <laughs> the way that this film intersects those things, I was not ready for. I just was not ready for it. And so I'd say go into it if you're open to that. You got to be open to it. Because otherwise, I mean, I could see somebody just saying, mm, forget this, turn it off. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I'm done. But the way this really works those things in together and smartly kind of intertwines them in a way where you know, it's about urges, it's about uh, awakening and, and you know, uh, I mean, even on like a, on a sexual level and on a physical level and a visceral level, it's, it's uh, man, look, there's a scene in this movie where these two sisters have a bite fight. 
That's it. And I'll just tell you the end. The end is something that I knew something was coming at the very end. And they really save it. They save it to the very last scene. I think it's even the very last shot. They save a big revelation for the very, very end. So you got to watch to the end. But I'll just say this. I, if you're into horror film, you're into like body horror kind of, you know, gore stuff. Check this out. I, I think it's, it's, it'll be of interest. You might find it's a little slow going at first, but just give it some time. It's, uh, it's really out there. So, uh, that is raw. And that is from, um, again, that is from Netflix. So see that as you can, you know, I realize as I'm doing these, as I'm doing these episodes and I'm kind of watching these a week, you know, a day at a time, but I'm talking about them a week at a time. I think I'm going to try and do that. I'm going to try and build a little bit of a theme, like a What's the common thread that all these films have in common? And look, with these, I, you know, I didn't know it at the time when I started out, just like in previous episodes, but these, it's, it's about a lot to do with, it's a lot to do with uh, women and their experience and some of the troubles that they have to confront and, you know, what society puts on them and, and when just how they approach it in different ways, whether it's, um, uh, physically or emotionally or, or um, uh, psychotically, you know, <laughs> talking about people eating people over here. But the idea is like, I like that two things. All of these films were made after the year 2000 and 21st century. And that might not mean a whole lot just on its face, but I like the idea that these kinds of stories are happening and they're being told, and they're clearly 21st century stories. Because I feel like 30 years ago, 40, 50, you know, in the history of cinema, there's a period you know, before, there's, I don't know when the cutoff is, but there's a, there's a date, there's a time when these types of stories would not have been told. And if they would have been told, they would have been told from a male point of view or from, you know, two men, you know, having these conflicts or whatever it is. So I like that some of these stories are happening, being told from a woman's perspective or a female perspective. And that's something that it's a dynamic I don't always understand, right? Being a guy, but I like that it's out there because I know that there are people out there that are going to relate to it even more powerfully than I am. Like a couple of these movies I really enjoyed and I really like, and they're, they've moved up my list. You know, my my favorites list or whatever, but I know for other people out there, these are going to be really big, important things and, and and important stories to see and and to to know about. But see them all if you have the time. But also take a shot, see what you what you have available to you, and and spread the word about these. If you watch one of these films, that's okay. I think any one of these you'll get something out of. But for the most part, we're, we're taking a stab at everything out here. And I'll let you know what might or might not be worth your time. So, look. All right. So, that's it. That's this week's film streak. And I'll uh, see you around. 